Hey guys, it's time for another Society9 podcast. It's Lynn and Megan. Um, we're here with Jessica Storch, the founder of Knockout Women's Boxing Club. We are so excited to have her. She is really um, amazing at creating a safe space for women to discover boxing. And um, we are really excited to have her on our podcast today, especially to kick off the new year where everybody's trying to create resolutions or goals that only last 30 days. We really are excited to hear her talk about what it means to create um, a plan that's really suitable for life, not just for, you know, your, your 30 days after you've eaten all the holiday pastries and desserts and, and whatever, and you're shaming yourself. That were delicious. That were delicious. Let's be clear. <laughs> but, uh, you know, shaming yourself the next 30 days and trying to take it all off. It's like, no, have the pastries every month. Um, but how do you do that in moderation, but still enjoy your life and live a, a healthy, active lifestyle? So for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, uh, Society Nine's the brand for the fight in every woman. We make the best boxing and MMA gear for women by women. So I would love to segue into Jessica's story. Um, Jessica, this is when I put the spotlight on you. Awesome. Um, no pressure. <laughs> but um, Jess has a really incredible story from her own passion as an athlete in the boxing world, having been the Chicago Golden Gloves champion for both 2010 and 2011, but really uncovering, you know, where that, where the sport itself has taken her to create long lasting positive impact for women in her community. So Jess, take it away. Awesome. Yeah. So sometimes it's funny to hear that I won the Chicago Golden Gloves because it feels like 10 million years ago. Um, <laughs> it's not that long ago. Um, yeah. So I guess I started boxing um, when I was in undergraduate school and just for fun, just to, for exercise. Um, a friend of mine was like, let's try this. And I was like, okay. Um, and it was like your typical from a Rocky movie, like dingy, no air conditioning just old equipment awesomeness and um, I really fell in love with it it was it was fun I've always loved to move and be active and I'm kind of a tomboy and was pretty like kind of aggressive as a kid um, so it fit for whatever reason it allowed me to be physical and aggressive and hands-on and I loved it and I just thought it was still going to be like a workout and then my coach at the time was like no you have to try to do this for real and <laughs> you need to fight and I was like okay so I had my <laughs> first fight and it was horrendous um, <laughs> it was an amazing experience but of course you know I thought I was going to die and I didn't win and whatever but it was still awesome I was like you know high on life and it was great um, and then I stepped away from it for a very long time because I was in college and was finishing up my college degree and went on to grad school and stuff like that and um, kind of fast forward to 2009, 2010 and I was, I had graduated from graduate school. I have my master's in clinical psychology and was working as a psychotherapist and I always, you know, my path in that world just kind of took me to this, I wanted to help women and empower people. I'm not quite sure where that came from but that's kind of always been my mission and I was working as a therapist, but I always wanted to find a way to blend the work I was doing kind of emotionally and mentally with people with the physical aspect of things. And I wanted to find a way to bring those two things together. Um, and there was nothing that like existed like that in the psychotherapy mental health world that I could find that satisfied what I was looking for. Um, and so I, at the time, created a very, very tiny little program called Knockout Women's Boxing and ran it out of a small little dojo and um, had like six people in a class, but I was also a psychotherapist. I was a personal trainer and I was teaching group fitness and I was doing everything. Um, and then I went on to, and then I decided at this time that I was like kind of fighting for this dream I had to have this place for women that I wanted to fight again. And so as I was kind mm -hmm. of running this small little tiny side gig, I decided I wanted to make it bigger and um, partnered with a business partner who also was my became my coach at that time, and that's when I got back into fighting. And I fought for two years. I won the Chicago Golden Gloves, like Lynn said, in 2010 and 11. Um, and I had about, I think, total 10 fights, uh, two losses, so that's not too bad. Um, and it was amazing. It was scary, obviously. <laughs> Boxing is scary mm -hmm. for me. It was anxiety-provoking. But I loved it because I'm definitely um, an individual sport kind of person. I never really played team sports growing up. I ran track a little bit, and I've always just been kind of a 
do my own thing kind of person. And I liked that boxing gave me the opportunity to get in there and really um, test myself and put myself on stage and see what I was made of. Um, every time it scared the crap out of me, but um, I learned so much about myself in and out of the ring from the training and from fighting. And um, I did that for a little while and decided that was it for me. I kind of did my competitive boxing thing. I was getting too old and I didn't want to get hit in the head that much anymore. And um, moved on to continue to spend my energy and kind of more so return my fight to my business and my mission of helping women. Um, and then in 2011, I separated from my business partner and branched off and created Knockout Women's Boxing Club as it exists today, as its own facility, its own program. I'm the only owner. It's all women. So that's, you know, seven years, eight years, something like that in a, yeah, that's my, that's my story. <laughs> that's awesome. The fact that you've, you know, the fact that you've had a business for, you said it was eight years now, seven, eight years running now. Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. Cause yeah. so knockout itself as its own thing turned five in September before that I ran my program and co-owned a gym for about two years, three. Yeah. So we're going on nine, I think almost nine years that's, at this point. That's mm -hmm. amazing. I mean, that alone, like you have to be so, I mean, congratulations. Thanks. That's not an easy feat. I think a lot of people take for granted what it means to be a small business owner yes. and survive just the first year, let alone mm -hmm. the first three years. Cause I, I forget what the statistic is for like small businesses in America, but I think um, the percentage of businesses that fail within the first one to three years is astronomical. I think it's it like 80%. Mm -hmm. Something like so, that. So congratulations. Thanks. So where are you at now with, with knockout in terms of like what, what types of women are you seeing showing up, whether it's new members or the ones that have stuck around, what's your diversity um, sure. like in your community? Yeah, so when I first opened Knockout as its own entity, most of my members came with me from my uh, gym that I co-owned and ran my women's only program out of. So a lot of them came with me. And at that time, the membership base was, I would say, a little younger, like early to mid-20s was the majority of my members and um, had a lot more of an like um, athletic background. Because I think somebody, a woman that will walk into a co-ed competitive boxing gym, and that's what I co-owned, so it was a co-ed competitive boxing gym, um, I think it's just, a, it has a totally different feel. If you've been in a women's only gym and a co-ed gym, they're very different. And then you add mm -hmm. the layer of competition to it and having fighters around, and it's just a different kind of energy. Um, for somebody like myself, I love it. It doesn't bother me. But for a lot of women, that can be incredibly intimidating. So the women mm -hmm. that I first had come over um, were used to that kind of competitive, aggressive, um, more athletic mindset type of member. And I think as I've grown and expanded as a person myself and expanded the way I think about things, I've, I think I've attracted a much more diverse population of women. Um, now we have you know, women of all shapes and sizes, all ethnic backgrounds, also, you know, socioeconomic statuses, all different kinds of jobs. Women that probably would never be friends in real life are, mm. you know, we could never cross paths even kind of come together and support each other. And I would say, yeah, we still have that like athletic, aggressive, um, younger girl, but then we also have your stay at home mom that's somewhere between mid thirties to mid forties. We have, I have women that are 60, late fifties. Um, so it really, really ranges. And I think that's a product of, uh, two things. Me kind of, you know, expanding the way I look at, boxing and fitness and um, all that kind of health and things like that. And I think also, I'm, you know, as you grow, there's more people that are in the kind of obviously general population category than like previous, you know, ex-athletes, serious competitors. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a small portion of our world um, that mm -hmm. I think as I grew, my business continued to grow, I started to reach more and more of your average person that wanted to come in and find a fun way to exercise. So right now I would say the mostly, it's just, it, age-wise, we're probably majority, mid-30s to mid-40s. Um, we don't have actually too many younger girls anymore. We have a handful. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it spans the board. We have teachers, we have nurses, we have stay-at-home moms, we have, uh, you know, women that work in business, that work in marketing, copywriting, design, I mean, just everything you could think of um, mm -hmm. that all come together and 
hang out, hit shit, lift shit, and have fun. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I, that's, I always, like, Lynn and I always talk about how great, you can just tell that your community just, like, bubbles, because when we first started talking, and you go to your Instagram, and, and your social media, and you can just tell, like, every woman there is having a blast, and you can tell that there's just kind of this attitude of uplifting each other, and it's just really cool to, to witness, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I love it. I, I love it. Your guys' feed always puts me in a, like, insanely good mood. Oh, yeah. Like, every time, every single time I flip through your feed, I just want to be like, fuck yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's just so feel good. Like, the, yeah. the videos that you guys post of, like, the women holding mitts for each other yeah. or, like, you guys all doing burpees and looking like you're dying together and, like, you know. That's you, our kind of fun. Yeah, no, that's yes, exactly. exactly. Like, that's like, that's the kind of like, you know, workouts that we enjoy, especially seeing like camaraderie you guys all have and yeah. suffering together. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. like the suffering knows no like boundaries, you know, it's yep. like this, the conventional super like fit girl who trains seven times a week, like right. looks like she's dying as well as the woman who maybe can only make it two times a week looks like exactly. she's dying. It's like an equal, <laughs> yes. it's a very democratic, uh, <laughs> a democratic process of uh, yes. suffering that you guys <laughs> yeah. go through. It is pretty cool. So, you know, like sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, like this is so cool. Like where do you go where women can come together and like seriously respect each other and encourage each other and you know I even tell women that come in some of them will say ah oh, I was a little nervous you know it's all women which is awesome but that can also bring with this you know cattiness or something that's stereotypical mm -hmm. of sometimes women all in a group not that that always mm -hmm. happens but sometimes it does and um you know whether it's clicky or whatever or like oh you're the new girl none of that shit happens at knockout yeah. and um yeah. I I think it's you know I've basically you know I think it's what I'm like those trickle down effects. Like I'm the leader and I don't allow for that. Like we mm -hmm. are, I tell everybody, you don't have to like each other, but you have to respect each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is huge. And they know that they can work together and still get out of their workout what they want, but they can work next to the fit girl. That's still 25 and nothing makes her want to die. And then the mom that's like, Oh my God, I'm going to die after doing this for one minute can work out next to each other and be like totally fine and high five. So yeah, it is a pretty cool environment. Mm. But that's credit to you though. Cause it takes, it takes establishing that culture of mm, like, definitely. you know, I don't put up with that kind of shaming yeah. or putting down or intimidation. I think intimidation is such a, um, I think it's a challenge in the combat sports world, whether yeah. you are in a co-ed space or even in your case, like in a female space, it really takes a leader to rise up and say, and say like, this isn't, this isn't okay. Or like establish just in your tone or your presence. So I think that says something about you for sure that you've been able to establish that not only, you know, in your space now, but in the last nine years, I mean, I'm still like blown away and so <laughs> proud and impressed by oh, you. Thanks. I mean, that's at nine years is like, Man, I feel like throwing a party for you right now. Because <laughs> I see so many gyms that have, um, you know, that have closed up just because yeah. it's hard. Like starting a business hard. is really hard. So you've you've clearly cracked something. Um, what have you seen, especially because it's New Year's yeah. resolution season, which I hate calling it that for that because it implies this like goal setting just for mm -hmm. like the boot the boot camp period of time or whatever yeah. crap when it's really like it's a new year and it's really more about establishing healthy habits for forever but starting with this year right so what have you seen as somebody who's not only a coach but um you know an eating specialist which I'll definitely go into because I'm really fascinated by that um what kind of goal setting are you seeing with women coming in now um and the changes you've seen from 2016 goals to 2017 goals because I think for Megan and I what we've noticed in sports culture media or like fitness culture I should say is there is a shift in narrative in terms of like what does it mean to actually set goals what does it mean to actually set resolutions because I really do think there is a cultural shift moving away from this nonsense around like oh I need to lose 30 pounds yeah. in the month of January you know whatever and I do, I do think that a lot more fitness media publications whether they're blogs or magazines are finally starting to push more this idea of healthy habits um 
versus these like boot camp mentalities. So what are you seeing in terms of the differences? And I have oh. to say real quick too, if anyone is anyone who's listening, if you need inspiration, Jess, your blogs are great. I've been oh, yes. them. <laughs> and there are there are times when I read your blog, I'm like, preach, sister. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> so I'm really excited that Lynn's asking these questions of you because um yeah, I've really loved some of your writings about uh the healthy eating and setting goals and yeah. just yeah. So talk to us, lady. Yes. Awesome. Well, if we got like five hours, because if I go on my soapbox, you're probably never going to get me off the phone. But um, so I would say, you know, I kind of feel like I live in this weird little bubble of knockout, like my little world, because we don't think about or talk about health and fitness in the way that mainstream media still does. I totally agree, Lynn. I think there is there is a shift happening. I think there's a revolution, and you see less and less of the quick fix gimmicky stuff. Um, so I think that's awesome. I think we're headed in the right direction. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, so I feel like I live in this protective little bubble that is the knockout world where we like don't believe in body bashing. We don't believe in diets. We don't believe in weighing people. We don't believe in any of that. So um, for me, most of the time what I see coming in through my doors is uh, typically women, I think... For the most part, I think women, your average woman in the general population is coming into any type of training facility, be it a combat sports facility, uh, you know, strength training, kettlebell, CrossFit, whatever they're trying to pursue with the goal of weight loss. I still think that's probably, in my opinion, the primary initial drive, um, something mm -hmm. around weight loss. But I feel like at knockout, the people that stick around, like drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and start to realize that it's not about that. Like you can put that on the back burner, but there's all these other awesome things you can do that are more important to focus your attention on. And they start to realize what they're gaining. And you see this shift happen with women that have been around um, for three months, six months, years that are no longer setting resolutions about, you know, weight loss. I mean, when I put out posts mm -hmm. on social media on my main page, I'm speaking to people that aren't the members because my members are like, I'm not mm. going to set a weight loss goal. Like, yeah, do I mm -hmm. feel like I need to like get my shit together a little bit? Maybe I'm not sleeping enough. Maybe I'm eating out too much. Like they get the healthy habit aspect, but they don't, mm. you know, we're not like having, you know, resolution setting workshops and things like that. They kind of know how I think, <clears throat> I think being surrounded by women that also think the same way allows them to kind of every year come into it thinking, how can I just be better this year than I was last year? Um, but mm -hmm. I do feel like most women initially come in, new members, prospects, are seeking us out because of some version of body, weight loss, something. Um, mm -hmm. But it is shifting. I would say it is shifting a little bit. And I think you will see more... In my opinion, the where you see the shift more is the smaller guys, like the bloggers, the people that own private studios, um, strike mm. the kiddish clubs, people that don't, you know, the the small, not the. I don't see it so much in my opinion in the big box gyms or the big corporations mm. and franchises. I still think they're pushing the weight loss, calorie burn thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the the little guys' voice is starting to get a little bigger. Like I I think we're starting to understand now that weight loss and diets are a trap and that we need to help people understand the benefits of simply moving their body, of nourishing their body and using different language and starting to think of these things differently than, you know, I need to burn a thousand calories and lose two pounds this week. Otherwise I'm a failure. Um, mm. So I think I see a little bit less of that, but it's not gone. I mean, I had, I've had trial members come in and they're like, well, I need to do this many workouts a week because I need to be in a bikini by the summer. And I'll straight up tell them like, that's insane. Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I get it. It's your goal. You're an adult. You could totally do what you want. But in my opinion, let me tell you what's going to happen and what right. you should be careful of. So I think there's a shift. I think as a industry, the fitness industry, um, it's getting there, but you know, there's a lot of money to be made on people's insecurities. So I think until mm -hmm. more and more people... That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, if everybody stopped, you know, started to feel good about themselves, half these companies would go under. Um, so... <laughs> Heaven forbid. Right? Heaven forbid that you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, I always tell people jokingly, if I were to f slap weight loss, calorie burn stuff all over my website, I would be a millionaire overnight. Within minutes, I think I would have so much traffic to my website and so many members, it would be too much. 
but I will never, you know, sell out. I mean, it's not, people have said to me before, oh, would you ever franchise? Would you ever, I'm like, no, because what will happen is everything I believe in will be taken Mm -hmm. down a different path. So, you know, I think it's a hard sell. What I'm selling isn't sexy. It's not fast. It's hard. It's, but it's sustainable and it's healthy and it's real. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think we need more of that. But I think voices like you guys and my gym and all the other little gyms and the different coaches that I follow around the world that, you know, believe in people and making them healthy are starting to like, you're, they're starting to bubble to the surface and we're hearing more of it. So mm-hmm. fingers crossed we can make some massive change. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I kind of liken this uh, focus on lifestyle versus the shortcut, right? Um, It's like an endurance race. Um, In your life, if you look at, you know, a result, a goal as a sprint um, to the finish, you'll crash and burn. It's Mm -hmm. just as if, you know, you, if you have to calorie count, to a certain quote unquote end goal, you reach that end goal, like that bikini body or whatever, you know, crap you want to, whatever crap phrase you want to put in there. And then you get that bikini body and you go to Mexico or wherever it is that you're going and you have that margarita or that daiquiri or 10 over a course of a week. Or like like, you cut weight for a fight and then you go ham on a grilled cheese. Yeah. Because it's delicious. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, a well, a well life, a well lived life is such an endurance test that like, you know, it's, it's really amazing to me that like, to your point, most businesses in the fitness world succeed on feeding off people's insecurities and failure and failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I definitely wonder, and it's, I think it's the big question mark of businesses like ours, businesses like yours. The big question mark is would all of our businesses not only succeed further if we actually uplifted people, because that's a different kind of dopamine, right? It's a different kind of high, which is like, fuck yeah, I feel really good. And not only do I feel really good, but all these other people are like, they literally have my back, like Mm -hmm. through thick and thin in my pursuit of just overall feeling good, whatever that feeling good is. So, um, well, I read a, I read an article once that was talking about like big box gyms and it was saying basically that they're, that's why they're not changing their marketing is because they don't they, need to, they, well, they don't need to, but their business model actually is, is modeled off of people setting goals they can't achieve yeah. and not showing up to the gym because yeah. the more people that use the equipment, the more service the equipment needs, the more people you need to staff the gym. So they actually like, they love January because they sign these people up, they lock them into yeah. a contract and then they pray they don't show up to the gym. So it's really sad and it really sucks. Yeah. And that's why it's great. I mean, that's why, you know, we're so excited to support gyms like yours that are the exact opposite of that and are encouraging and driving people forward in their lives to, to be, you know, to be their strongest, most badass selves. And and that's what's up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I have a gripe with big box gyms too, because like, and I'm not speaking to every single personal trainer because there's no doubt there's a lot of really great personal trainers out there. But I think what's sad is that if corporate whatever the corporate culture setting is, as well as the corporate rules or, or whatever, if if they don't align with that individual personal trainer's style of training and they're telling them, hey, like, this is how the programming needs to be because, you know, they know or they've unlocked sort of the formula to what, to Megan's point, like, they've unlocked what makes people unsuccessful, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, I have no doubt that's probably going on. Because oh, yeah. Like that's, that's the whole point, right? Is to get more people to sign up for these hundred dollar private sessions where they give up or like they just aren't motivated anymore. Um, Yeah. And I think we also like on top of that, I think we have such as a culture and a society have such a unrealistic uh, view of what health and fitness looks like Mm. and trainers being a trainer myself, that's went through, you know, the certification that half. United States traders go through like it, it tells you to approach a training session a certain way. You go work for a corporate gym, right. I work for corporate gyms. Like you said, they're, you're encouraged to kind of do certain things while not, you know, dangerous or unethical or anything like that, but something that's not maybe the safest plan for somebody or the best plan for somebody. Mm-hmm. And we all have this view that we need to, you know, be working out 
hours and hours a day and telling our clients to do all this extra shit and they need to be eating this and doing that and um, it's not realistic. The average person that's been sitting their ass on the couch and terrified to go into a gym does not need to get their ass kicked their first workout. Right. They need, mm-hmm. You know, they need to come in and they need to be guided through movement and understanding and helping them start to reconnect to their body and be more gentle about things and build them up to a point where they can endure stuff that's more difficult. You know, um, I mean, even like with boxing gyms, I mean, I've been to you know, a handful of different gyms. And back in the day, you go to gyms where it's like, oh, you want to learn how to box? Great. Go in there and spar this dude. Okay. Like that's not going to happen. You can't fast forward me to sparring like day one. Um, But a lot of gyms, even combat sports would do that still, I'm sure continue to do Mm -hmm. that. And we forget that people like need time and you have to develop skills and, you know, exercising and being healthy is not natural for some people. Um, So I just feel like, a lot of trainers are misinformed not to, you know, make excuses or anything, but they're misinformed and they read the same stuff the consumer's reading. They watch the same TV shows. They see the same examples of training and it's not safe. Um, and it's not beneficial for the majority of people. Um, and I, uh, somebody I was listening to is saying a statistic that 80% of people, 80, 83% of Americans do not belong to a gym. Seven, isn't that crazy? 17% yeah. of people belong to a gym. So what are the other 83% of people doing? Why are they so scared? Like, what's happening? Why are we not appealing to these people, you know? Um, and I think it's because of, you know, a lot of things, their their ideas of what training should look like and their fear that they can even handle it. Um, so. I think well, gyms are scary. They are yeah. scary. Yeah. And I actually was going to make a comment. That's why companies like Beachbody are oh. so successful. I was just actually, <laughs> well, I mean, Society9 is not here to make a statement about different gyms or brands that, you know, whatever. But I will say, I was telling Megan, just doing my own, like, stalking of, like, Beachbody coaches Mm -hmm. as well as, like, the programming they do. What I do find fascinating and legitimate in its own way is that Beachbody is sort of that other brand for people who are scared to go to gyms. I firmly believe that. And it's it's fascinating to see how they do support one another, how the coaches... Um, and again, I'm sure there are really bad beach body coaches and really great ones. And I, mm-hmm. all in all, I think what's really interesting is how they do uplift one another from their own homes. Like I, it's mind blowing to me. Like I, I'm not to your, you know, experience as, and somebody who studied clinical psychology, you know, it fascinates me as somebody who doesn't have, you know, a deeper level of understanding of that because like just on observation, like I don't want to call it a cult because that's very like negative, although people call CrossFit a cult too or whatever, but like, but there is this like community cult, like passion behind the different beach body programs, like core to force. That's a new program they just launched that is, you know, MMA or combat sports inspired. And I read recently, it is the fastest growing beach body program in their entire series. Yeah. So I think, I think there's something interesting happening with this idea of self-defense, too, um, because I think it's something that people can learn safely in their homes that makes them feel, again, empowered Empowered, in some way. So, but it'd be, I mean, for those people, sometimes I want to be like, you know, these spaces like yours, knockout and and whatnot, like, these are safe spaces for you to come and actually participate and actually hit a bag and, you know, be alongside other people, too, so... Yeah, I definitely think there's like a a, a shift, um, yeah. and we hope to get more people. I can't believe that's the statistic, though. Eighty yeah. percent. Yeah. I guess though, when I think about my family, like I, it's funny though. My I feel like when I look at the demographics on both sides of my family, my generation definitely is the opposite of that. I think every single one of my cousins uh, belonged to a gym, mm-hmm. but then when I look at my aunts and uncles, I don't think yeah. I think two of them. I can think of two two of my aunts that belong to a yoga studio. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. That's all I got. So, yeah, yeah. I guess, like, <laughs> when I think about it that way, I guess that's kind of true. But I never really thought about it. That's insane to me. <laughs> I know. I think we think because we're inundated with fitness information and pictures mm-hmm. and images that, like, oh, of course, like, everybody belongs to a gym or everybody does some form of exercise. But, like, when you really start talking to family and friends and you're, like, outside of your own, like, fitness bubble because like we all like to exercise so we like kind of are around those people but there's a lot of people that you come across that don't move their bodies that don't exercise and it's like it's 
baffling, um, but also understandable because, you know, I'm a fit person. I've always been active and athletic and I like that, you know, I like feeling like that. I like stepping out of my comfort zone and I don't feel scared going into any gym, but I'm not the average person. Like, like you said, the gym Mm -hmm. is super intimidating at a combat sport gym or boxing gym on top of it. Like that'll send most people like running out the door. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, people, it is intimidating. And if you're not confident already and now you're going to go step into a gym that, you know, most likely is going to be like, okay, what's your goal? Weight loss. Great. Let's go weigh you and do your body mm. fat. And then we're going to tell Ugh. you how we can fix all of that. Like that that's... gives me like PTSD <laughs> yes. thinking about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's crazy. So uh, I had mentioned earlier that I'm really fascinated by your like intuitive eating mm-hmm. um, specialty. Uh, it look, it's from what I understand, it it is a certification, yeah. um, and it's a program. Like, tell us a little bit more about that because I definitely know for me, like I was telling Megan, I was like, "Girl, I am in hibernation mode. I am eating <laughs> like I'm I made I made homemade pizzas this weekend that I was super nice. hyped on because I I've never made pizza dough before, so I was pretty proud. Ooh, that's but there was very a cool. There was a part of me, though, that I was like, man, I really should, like, go run, but it's also, like, 19 degrees out, and (laughs) the streets are all ice, so I could break my leg or something. So, yeah, so, like, tell tell us a little bit more about the program and and your coaching around it. So, Intuitive Eating is a program that was designed, or philosophy that was created or whatnot by two nutrition therapists, so the two women that wrote it, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Um, are active nutritionists, nutrition therapists, I think in California. Um, And their whole philosophy was as practicing nutritionists, they were doing what every nutritionist does, seeing patients, giving them a meal plan, seeing some short-term success, and then the patient would come back and say, "Um, I failed you, I messed up, I'm doing, you know, just kind of this cycle, right? I do good for a little bit, come back, I messed up, blah, blah, blah. So they started to, re- you know, obviously see this pattern that we all see or experience and started to realize that, you know, diets and meal planning and stereotypical nutrition practices or, you know, that we all think about don't work. And um, this is not like airy-fairy, new-agey bullshit, like there's actually science behind it, that most people um, cannot sustain strict diet behaviors for the long term. And what intuitive eating is, is basically, cliff notes, repairing your relationship with food and reconnecting Mm -hmm. to your body and understanding how to listen to your body so that you can eat and move in a way that actually, ultimately, for some, can bring you back to what they call a natural weight, meaning Mm -hmm. it might not be the weight you think in your head that you want to be, but a weight that's really healthy for your body Mm -hmm. based on... Mm -hmm. A, you know, a normal, healthy amount of exercise and movement and a pretty normal, healthy, healthy, whatever you want to call that diet. So it's based on 10 principles, uh, things like honoring your hunger, feeling your fullness, um, rediscovering the satisfaction in food again. Um, like, uh, what is the other one that like basically saying no to the quote unquote food police, like not letting people kind of cross that boundary with you and telling you what you can and cannot eat. And then it goes kind of into depth about all of these. And the reason I kind of got attracted to it is being, you know, having a clinical psychology background, it made a lot of sense of the way I think about people and human behavior that, you know, we, when people are imposed upon by outside forces, i.e. a diet, our psyche, our, you know, inner child person wants to fight back, to push back, Mm -hmm. to reclaim their autonomy. So a lot of times people don't realize is diets are very imposing on our boundaries, when Mm -hmm. we should eat, how much we should eat, what kind of foods we should eat, and our natural human response is to kind of push back against it. So you have that kind of, um, you know, thing occurring, um, as well as 
getting people off this like diet seesaw. Diets only work short term. We start to restrict and restrict. We can't resist temptation anymore. Everybody's always going to quote unquote cheat. Then it sends us back to, oh, well, screw it. I'm just going to fucking eat everything now. And then we just keep, so it's kind of, again, breaking these behavioral patterns and understanding our relationship with food a little bit better. I feel like the problem that our society has in general is we look at solutions to bad diets or unhealthy habits as telling people what to do. Like, well, mm-hmm. just stop doing this. Just do this instead. As if it's like that mm-hmm. easy to do. Anybody that's ever tried to make any kind of change in their life, someone just telling you that is not super effective. Um, and so intuitive eating is more about helping somebody understand the why to some degree of why they're doing what they're doing, what purpose it's serving, and helping them understand themselves a little better so when they are making food choices or different healthy or unhealthy choices they're not just making them kind of unconsciously Mm -hmm. um so it's a little you know psychotherapy ish life coachy ish and it's but it's also something that's it, it seems easy on the outside like if you just go oh okay like stop when I'm full, eat when I'm hungry. Like those things Mm. seem easy, but they're really Mm. not for a lot of people, especially people that have chronically dieted um, Mm -hmm. most of their lives. The idea of being hungry and doing something about it can be very scary for somebody that's used to ignoring their hunger because they've hit their points or their calories for the day or that meal. Um, And so it's just really about reframing the way people think and helping them understand that, helping people process through all of that so they can be more in control and kind of take their power back and make choices based on what they really want to do. And it's not a perfect picture either. It's like, you're going to mess up and that's okay. You're human. So it honors more the human side of people than just being like, eat this much of this, this much of this, and then just come back and you're going to be perfect and fixed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know Megan and I both aren't immune to that. I mean, she and I are always cheerleading each other and being like, girl, you eat that bagel. Like, you hungry, yeah. you eat that. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I think there's definitely, like, I've had I've had friends who, like, as I'm eating that donut, they're just, like, staring at me like, I can't believe you're eating that much sugar. And it's like, I'm eating that this donut now because I've literally been dreaming about it for seven days. Right. And I know that if I don't eat it now... And I'm, I'm just jealous because I'm allergic to gluten. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I, I've definitely had friends who've kind of like demonized my sugar yes. consumption. Not, not that I eat 60 grams a day or right. something crazy, but just like, yeah, I'm eating that donut today because I don't do it every day. Like, right. and what? Truth. Uh, well, okay, no, I'm no, just okay. kidding. Okay. There's some, sometimes, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm so kidding. But sometimes there are two days in a row. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there, but like, That's sometimes right, I, yeah. yeah, but I gotta, I gotta let it out sometimes. And then once I'm done, I'm like, oh man, that was a poor choice. I, you know, and then I, I go back to it, but yeah. I've had, I think it's really frustrating. I mean, even for me, cause I get, I get shamed sometimes even by people that I know, like, oh man, you're going to eat that many cookies. Like that's so much sugar. It's like, yep. It is. <laughs> and you, and you think about it too, like when people say that, because people say that to each other, you know, or they'll be like, why are you yeah. eating that? Or why aren't you doing that? It's like, when all of a sudden was it okay to fucking like be the judgment on, like have judgment on everybody's activities? Like, like when did that happen that we were like, it's totally okay that you go around and tell people what they should and shouldn't eat or have a judgment about that right. and share it with them. Like that's right. like a boundary issue. You wouldn't let someone call you a bitch and just be like, okay, you know, but it's right. like, but somehow with food and body, we've like made it totally okay for right. people well, to say those things, you know, it's become acceptable. I'd love, I'd, I love my mother, but I'd like to thank her for that ability of mine. <laughs> which ability of yours? <laughs> to, to be like, to just take, you shouldn't eat that. Like the, the food police, like oh. I grew up with food police. So. Yeah. I feel, and I feel like a lot of people did, and I think that's why a lot of us are like, we just kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't eat the donut. Yeah. Because that's a lot, for a lot of us, that's what we grew up with. Yeah. But in moderation still, right? It's like, okay, like, I think having food police is important, because, yeah, you shouldn't eat a donut or several donuts every single day. Like, for every meal every day. Like, no. Like, that's probably not the best, healthiest choice. And that's, like, the thing I think sometimes people get initially, like either confused or turned off of with intuitive eating they're like oh it's like a food party how is this ever going to work you can eat whatever you want okay well no it is about giving yourself unconditional permission to eat and kind of freeing up that like gripping relationship we have with food but it's also you'll get to the point 
where you go, okay, like one donut once a week or whatever is like a great treat for me. I like it. And that's all I need because now you're allowing yourself to have it. You don't feel like, oh my God, all the donuts right now because I can't have these again for like six months, you know? They, yeah. I think I even saw an article or something on Facebook that was people that eat dessert every day, like a small dessert, are happier and healthier because they're not rest- like perfect. You know? <laughs> yeah. Happy Monday. Thank you, right. Jess. Boom. <laughs> right. Problem my solved. coach Jess. My coach Jess said, you know, eat I the could have a donut every day. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some truth to that, though. Like, I definitely like. There's something about like giving yourself the chance to have that little piece of chocolate. It's like a. It is a. It's a daily treat yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's real. Like, you know, you have to make it realistic. So many people get so like attached to these ideas that we have and it's hard to get rid of them. You know, uh, I can only eat 1200 or 1800 calories a day. I can only have this much sugar. I can only have this much whatever. And we all have these different rules from different things we've heard or family or diets we've followed. And it becomes like crazy making. And the truth is, if we're just realistic, like, can we live our life for the rest, you know, 20, 30, 50, 80 more years and go, okay, I could have like, you know, a cookie every day. Cause it like makes me, you know, I like it. It's, but I'm not eating a hundred cookies. Is it better right. to just let yourself have the damn cookie and move on with life than to like right. mentally just want to strangle yourself by going, I can't have a cookie. I can't have the cookie. And then you have 15. So, right. You know, so I think we just have to start to think about food differently that there's no, no food is bad for you unless you're celiac and you can't have something or you have an allergy, but no food is all bad. We've demonized so many foods, like every couple of years, the new one becomes the bad one. Um, right. And just kind of allowing ourselves to eat once we do that, it's a hard process to trust, but over time people find that everything starts to balance out. You don't want a big you don't need the large Sunday at Dairy Queen anymore. You just want a little bit, so you get a small. But that takes mm-hmm. time. I mean, and you'll, it's, I always tell all my students when I talk about this, this joke about Reese's peanut butter cups. Like, those were my jam. I'm not kidding you. I could go get, like, a freaking eight pack and eat the whole They're damn delicious. thing in one sitting. They're amazing. Oh, my gosh. Frozen. <laughs> yes. Uh, right? Reese's so peanut butter cup blizzard from Dairy Queen. Uh, yes, oh, man. Blizzard. Good stuff. <laughs> and I would, like, eat the whole package. Like in Mm -hmm. one sitting and, you know, not even thinking anything of it, but obviously that's like totally not healthy. Um, And so over time, as I was putting myself through this intuitive eating process and I kind of was like, okay, you can have a Reese's peanut butter cup when you want and allowed myself the freedom to just do that. Um, Yeah. There was like one day months later, I was like going somewhere and I put my hand in my purse and there was a Reese's peanut butter cup in my purse in the wrapper, mind you, that I had had in there forever and never eaten and threw it away. I was like, I don't even want it. I was like, oh my God, I'm like cured from Reese's peanut butter cups. And Uh one of those things where I had to kind of go through certain foods. And the thing that was interesting for me with that particular food was my dad is like loves Reese's peanut butter cups. And so for me, I think it was unconsciously my way to kind of like when I was stressed or whatever was like my connection. And I noticed that as I mm-hmm. went through this process, there was certain foods I gravitated towards mm-hmm. in certain times because there was like this unconscious Com- like comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, I, you know, what's also really interesting is like, so I studied abroad in France um, in 2010 and this whole diet or shaming sugar or shaming like, just eating whatever, it's definitely an American thing. It's a 100% American mm. thing because in France, like, it, dieting or, like, picking and choosing what you should or shouldn't eat wasn't an issue. I mean, they eat cheese and butter every yeah. single day, multiple times a day, without even, like, hesitation. Like, it's not even a discussion point, like, of how much of the cheese you should eat or how much of the butter. It's just, that's a part of the diet. And yeah. I think I think that speaks to... One, the differences in our culture, sure. But two, I think it speaks to how much more Americans just simply need to move. And I think the fear Mm. that people have about moving is like, oh, like, well, I have to go to a gym and lift and all that stuff. It's like, no, go for a walk. Like, drink a If you work at a desk all day, drink a lot of water since you need to anyway, but that'll force you to get up and go to the bathroom. Like, I mean... I think that's that's sort of like the missing nugget, I feel, is like just a basic understanding of like any movement is good movement. And you yeah. don't have to be a fitness guru to, to you know, to move make these decisions and to move your body. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
I want to make sure that we allocate enough time for this, yeah. but you know, you had mentioned to us before we started our podcast that you are doing a rebrand of yeah. Knockout. So uh, I don't know what you can reveal, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> top secret. No, uh, but we'd love you to hear. You heard it here first. You heard no. it here first on the Side Nine podcast. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your rebrand and what was what was the motivation for it and, sure. and uh, what you're excited about with it. Yes, yeah, so I'm super pumped. So basically, Knockout Women's boxing club has been knockout women's boxing club forever um from its little tiny beginnings inside the little dojo to being a program at my co-ed gym to being where it is right now and um i started to notice probably this time last year that things in my community things in the fitness industry were shifting and what i was finding was being solely a uh, boxing gym was beginning to become a instead of like something that attracted women it, I think for some mm -hmm. it became a deterrent and that's my that's probably too strong of a word but basically I saw that last year was probably one of from a growth perspective the lowest month in growth I've ever had and so I was like what is going on here um, and I think we were not offering enough to people to attract a bigger, uh, to attract a, a, enough women and a much diverse group of women. I think there are a lot of women that are interested in boxing recreationally, but then there's a lot of women like, that's not my jam. Like I want to do lifting. I want to do some conditioning stuff. Like I don't mm -hmm. want to go to a boxing class. Um, mm -hmm. but I think the knockout community is such a cool thing. Like, I wish you guys had other shit. And so mm -hmm. I think I started to hear that. And I, I had members that left because of various injuries and from doctors heard that, you know, they can't punch anymore. They had a hand problem or a shoulder issue. So now they have to leave knockout, find some other facility to go exercise in, but like they love knockout. So it's like, mm -hmm. ah, I wish you did not have to go somewhere. Um, so back in August, I kind of decided that I needed to make some major changes and I uh, hired a business coach and him and I talked and, you know, he laid it to me flat and said, Jess, you need to make some major changes. If you don't mm -hmm. diversify what you're doing and change some things up, you're going to end up going down. And mm -hmm. he's like, you're not keeping up with the trends. The trends in this industry are, you have to offer more than one thing. You have to, you know, so we kind of went through this whole thing. So I hired, I hired slash developed some coaches internally that mm -hmm. were women that had been members at the gym for a while. So they became coaches or becoming trainers. So they're interning with me. So that was a change. I added mm -hmm. strength and conditioning classes onto the schedule. Um, and now we are rebranding as knockout training club. Um, mm -hmm. So we are not knockout women's boxing club. And the first time I tell people that they're like, wait a second, you're not women only anymore. What's happening? I'm like, no, 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 we are still women only. Um, mm -hmm. And I battled back and forth if I should, take the word women out. And I ultimately decided yes, because I feel like in a way, and maybe this is my own whatever thinking issue, whatever, is that having the word women in there didn't really elicit exactly what we were about. I think it almost softened things a little bit too bit. And not like mm -hmm. we're some badass gym where we're like beating the shit out of each other and going and winning fights and stuff like that. We're not, we're recreational boxing. Um, but I think people got a wrong impression by hearing mm -hmm. knockout women's boxing club. And some people, when they think of women's gyms or women's boxing, their first thought is cardio kickboxing. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it. Used to teach it at big gyms, but that's not what we do. Um, or they think of, you know, like a women's workout world or something like that, where it's like mm. this different culture. It's a great culture for the people that go to those places, but that wasn't the kind of culture that I was trying to create. I wanted to have a space where women of all shapes and sizes, all ages, all backgrounds can come that are ready to do some hard shit. Like I want you to be ready to push yourself out of your comfort zone. We're not going to, I'm never going to yell at you and tell you you suck at anything, but I want you to take my coaching and my cues to help you be better and stronger and do more than mm -hmm. you thought you could do the day before. And so I think having the word women in there wasn't creating the, the wasn't a good representation of what we do other than the fact that we are women only. So that was right. my mm -hmm. kind of thinking there. And I wanted to get away from calling us just a boxing gym because as we diversify what we offer, I wanted to attract women that were interested in finding a place that wasn't only boxing. Maybe they want to lift, mm -hmm. maybe they want to do kettlebell training, maybe they want to do something else. Um, 
So I wanted to be more inclusive in that way mm -hmm. as well. So it should be launching today, hopefully. But yeah, Exciting. so a new website, new logo, new look, a um, little edgier, a little harder, but still the same, you know, culture and community awesome. as far as that goes. Yay! <laughs> Development. That's exciting. It was scary, Gosh. definitely scary, but I think it's something I like had to do. So sometimes the scary yeah. shit's the best. Yeah, I, th I definitely think there's no shame in taking away the the word women either, because I think to your point, like it's kind of implied. Like yes. when you, especially when you're a new member, you're not sure, and you show up. Like it's definitely very clear. Like what is a comfortable or a safe, welcoming space, regardless of whether the word women is in the, you know, gym name or not. I mean, Megan and I have certainly gone to gyms where there was no, maybe, maybe no women <clears throat> in the branding or even in photos on Instagram, whatever. And then we try a trial class and it's perfectly welcoming, even if it's predominantly men or male mm -hmm. coaches or whatever. So I definitely think that that, I can imagine why that was a hard decision to make, but I, I, I would definitely assure you too, just from our own, like outside perspective yeah. going to different gyms like I, you know I definitely think that you'll be okay on that front and I think to your point about members that <clears throat> felt like there were limitations for whatever reason of programming or whatever I mean that's a really exciting development that you've you've made too to create more diversity around the programming because um, I think all those things are important anyway even if boxing is your main thing like you can't box well if you don't build up different muscles or exactly. mobility or whatever so I think that's really exciting we can't wait to see the new we're looking at your current website right now so we're like we keep refreshing it I know see what... <laughs> come on Jess where is I know. it come um, on website people get it up I know it's really yeah. exciting it's been a challenge you know you know members that have been with me for a while like change is never easy and so there's I think they're starting to finally get used to you know the having the strength and conditioning classes and things like that so it'll be interesting to see their reaction to the new branding but you know at the end of the day it's still Jess it's still not knockout and that's the thing that I wanted to keep is knockout is who we are no one typically when the girls refer to each other or where they train they always say knockout knockout they mm -hmm, don't mm -hmm. put the other three words behind it right so, right um mm -hmm. that's still who we are and it is I mean exactly like you said then like boxing is not just boxing is a sport it's a skill set and mm -hmm. you know I think for me focusing on that for so long had its advantages but then I even noticed from a coach's perspective looking around my classes and saying okay guys this is great you could throw a jab but like you need to be able to squat better than this you're going to hurt yourself yeah. one day going to pick something up if you can't mm -hmm. deadlift and hinge and do a you know like this is going to make you a better boxer it's going to keep you right. injury free all of those great things mm -hmm. so um it needed to be more balanced i think so it's yeah. going in that direction awesome that's really cool well congratulations Thanks. on all the new developments this year we're just such a you know we're so honored to be a part of your community even from a distance you know i i think when when we had first connected like society night and knockout and we looked at your community it was immediately something we gravitated towards because everything that you're doing as a brand with your community is exactly what we try to uphold ourselves um in making women feel like you know this sport is a safe space for them yeah. it is a welcoming space and it's it's good not just for weight loss or whatever goals you have but just long longevity of mind physical and spirit so yes. um we really just want to thank you for letting us in on your on your journey as a business owner and this community that you've built. Um, but we definitely want to respect your time today. So um, I can't, again, I can't thank you enough for joining us on our podcast today. We're really excited. You're the first podcast of the Ooh, year. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, That's you're a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, you're kicking off 2017 right with awesome. us. So thanks, um, ladies. So, yeah, thank you, and yeah. Uh, everybody else. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>